Um, Jack Coleman and, and his beautiful wife, Calla Coleman, into our church and having Jack speak with us. Um, I've known Jack since 2011, maybe. Um, Jack is a minister and a member of Harrodsburg Christian Church, but he's also a, a previous legislator. But I know Jack from my work at Department of Housing, Buildings, and Construction. When I went to work there, um, Jack was my deputy commissioner, and I can tell you, I've been in many places in state government, and I have never seen or worked for a harder working deputy commissioner. If it snowed, Jack Coleman was out there putting ice down and helping ladies inside the building if you needed it. He was out there with a leaf blower in the fall, blowing leaves, um, and he would never ask you to do anything that he wouldn't do himself. So um, it is my honor and privilege to invite Jack Coleman to our pulpit today to talk to you. Thank you, Rebecca, and thank you at Highlands Christian Church for allowing me the opportunity to be here today to speak with you. Uh, as Rebecca said, uh, she won a little bio, and normally as a past legislator, I always say, just tell them I was acquitted. So, but it was an honor to, for me. I drove by this church for about a little over four years uh, with, the, with the Department of Housing, Buildings, and Construction. And I will tell you that when we got there, there were some issues, as there are sometimes. But Rebecca coming to the department was a, was a, a ray of light that came in. We did have a lot of work we had to do. And we, I think in the last two years, it took us about two years, uh, but driving there and, and being there was a very a blessing to me. Uh, I got removed pretty quickly when the administration changes as things happen. Uh, but God blessed me again, and I got picked up by Bluegrass Community Action Partnership. So now, when I get off the interstate, I don't come this way, I go that way. And I'm over there behind Cracker Barrel, and I've been there a little over two years. I grew up in the Bergen Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. I uh, spent a few years in purgatory at the Baptist Church and the Church, Church of God, different places like that. Uh, about 15 years ago, Cal and I met, and we kind of started back. We got to the Magnolia Street Christian Church, was an independent. And about 10 years ago, we wound up at the Harrisburg Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. So I've made the full, we made the full circle. And so we're thrilled to be here and be in the, be in the church with you all today. As an introduction, I would like to be able to tell you all that my life, I grew up in a, in a loving Christian home. I have a hard time seeing this because I want to trust him there. I was baptized at 12, uh, valedictorian in my 1971 graduating class. Actually, I wasn't. I was in the top 25%, but we only had 26 people. Uh, married my junior high sweetheart, and I'm getting ready to celebrate my 45th anniversary. But that's not my life. Sadly, this is my life. I've been going around in circles, and can anybody here relate in this kind of a lifestyle? And so the title of this message today is Mission. Uh, Rebecca and I talked a little bit about this, and I'm not sure after the last three or four weeks this message has kind of dovetailed with where we are today in our country or vice versa. But it's, it's one word on purpose because it means a lot of things to a lot of different people. If you're in the military, the word mission means an assignment or an operation that you were on. If you're a CEO or in the corporate world, we talk about mission statements. If you're a first responder, we talk about rescue missions. If we're just people like us, we talk about our mission in life, what's our calling. 
or for church, it was a mission was a place established out in the in the western area to to, to part minister to people. Webster says it's a ministry commissioned by a religious organization to propagate its faith and carry on humanitarian work. Notice I did not use the word church. So let me ask you at HCC, Highland Christian Church, what I've asked the other HCC, Harrisburg Christian Church, are you a mission church or are you a church that has a few individuals that do good deeds? Because there is a big difference. Realistically, at Harrisburg Christian Church, we only have a few individuals in our congregation that can physically and fiscally go on a mission trip. Physically, the conditions are in the travel can be horrendous, hours and hours on planes, in, in trucks going back into the villages. Fiscally, the tickets are eight, nine hundred dollars a piece. Sometimes the, the week stay there can be ranged from six hundred to a thousand dollars. So it's kind of hard to bring all these things together. Do you remember a book way back in 1995 by Gary Chapman? Collectively, as a congregation, we were made up of individuals that exhibit all these traits. It was called the five love languages. So the first one's affirmation. You know, we used to have somebody who always wants to affirm you when you come in, make you feel good about what you do and that you're appreciated. The second one is quality time being together, fully present and engaged in any activity in the church. Gifts, giving gifts, taking gifts, just time to, to give somebody a gift to make them feel appreciated. Acts of service, relieving somebody of a task, doing something for somebody, mowing their yard, whatever it takes if they're sick. Physical touch or affection, you always wanna have a, just a hug or just a, a kiss or just a touch. But there's one more language that Gary Chapman missed. That was my mother's love language, as you can tell by looking at me. It was called comfort food. And she was really good at that. But collectively as a church, a congregation, this is kind of what we look like under the umbrella. Somewhere in one of those lines is everybody in this congregation today and everybody's a member of this church. But as we look at Acts 1, verse 8, but you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes to, on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. How does this affect the church or us as individuals? A literal look means Jesus was saying the literal city of Jerusalem, the actual regions of Judea, Samaria, and the literal ends of the earth because he had a process to reach out into the world. Personally, a look at is our Jerusalem would be our family, our congregations, our Judea, or Samaria would be our city, our county, the state, or the country, and the ends of the earth, Haiti, Mexico, Guatemala, wherever that might be. But we all know how important it is to leave instructions for our family and friends in the event of our passing to the eternal life. This is to make sure that our hopes and our dreams for what remains is carried on in accordance with our wishes. Our wisdom, our experiences, our insight can be passed on to other generations, to our friends. It didn't end that way for me and my father. Uh, my father got ill one Saturday night, had a stomach uh, trouble, went to, the opera, went to the hospital on Sunday morning with my twin sister. Uh, he had a perforated ulcer, no big deal, was just going to operate on it, patch it. But coming out of the surgery, he had a heart attack and he was in ICU for about a week and ended up not making it. So I didn't really get that 
event of him telling me, but over the years, just the knowledge and being around the memories, some of these things keep coming back. And for a majority of us, our last words would not simply be a to-do list, but probably more of a, of, of a to-be list. You'd want to be more loving, maybe kinder, more encouraging, maybe appreciate more, take time to smell the roses. Those are the things that you would want to pass on to your friends or your loved ones. Similarly, of course, if someone you love gave you this information right before they died, it would probably be one of the most important words that would be engraved in our hearts. And that's the situation today that we find ourselves, the disciples found themselves in. Jesus is leaving. His ascension into heaven would mark the last time these disciples would look at the face of Jesus until they met him in the next life. Jesus knew that his words would stay with the disciples, would bind them to him and to his mission for life and for what this world should be. In a sense, Jesus leaves us with his last will and testament when he says, you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But why did Jesus mention these three specific places? Well, basically, he was giving us a path that we need to go on. Jerusalem in those days was the most holy, sacred place of its time. It was the home, the center of the church's activities. It was the smallest body of gathered believers in Christ. So where is your Jerusalem? Well, it's our home, our family, children, stepchildren, and members of our congregation. Judea was the neighborhood of the suburbs of Jerusalem, the next step out. We got this right, Jesus wants us to take another step. He urged his disciples to go out into the wider neighborhoods to spread the good news. And we could only spread the good news of Christ if we first have encountered Jesus in our homes. So where is your Judea? Well, it could be work. It could be the grocery store, the gym, the shell mart. And the next step was Samaria. Now, this was the, this was the hard part. Samaria was the place that the Jews avoided. They saw Samaritans as outcasts who were not to be trusted. Those people, and I think we see this today moving around, could be us. Who are these people? Who are all those people we won't be involved with? Yet the scriptures we read that Jesus traveled to Samaria being the most direct route from uh, Galilee to Judea, he chose to go to Samaria. He chose to encounter the Samarian people. And we have a couple of stories from the, from the Samaritans. The story about the Good Samaritan that helped when nobody else would. The Samaritan leper, they came back and thanked Jesus for, say, for healing him. And we always know the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. Jesus went out of his way to show that Samaritans were among those who exercised compassion, gratefulness, and faith also. They were hated by the Jews, but what Christ came for was much more important than their walls of separation. Yes, Christ despises walls of separation even today. Christ is about building bridges. Samaritan exists today for each one of us. It's a place where we least like to go to meet with others that we, meet, we might mistrust, dislike, and would like to avoid. This is why I include in Matthew 25, 35 through 39, it's a modern day Samaritan situation for us. It talks about when did you see us hungry and feed us? When did you see us thirsty and give us something to drink? A stranger invited you in. You needed clothes and you closed us. When did you see us sick or in prison? And the final verse was that we need to remember is we didn't read, I didn't have Tim read, 
What you do to the least of my brothers and sisters, you do to me. So it's just not about what we do. For us, it also happened to the disciples. Let's look in John chapter 9, 1 through 3. This happens a lot. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Did you hear what they said? The disciples mistrusted, disliked, and thought the situation the man was in was somehow his fault. He had done something wrong. He was lazy. He didn't deserve any help. He was probably on the take. That sound familiar? What we're listening to today? Probably what was said wasn't the most compassionate thing that you could say at the moment. But what about us? The faces of poverty and marginalized people are everywhere. They're in Frankfort and Harrisburg. They're in Franklin County and Mercer County, in Kentucky, in the United States, and they're even across the world. And how do we deal with these? I'm going to take a quick rabbit trail. We talked about, about mission trips, a personal mission trip in Guatemala. This is the, uh, we've gone to Guatemala several times, Cal and I, and this is a, this is a kitchen for a elementary school in Guatemala. This is where they prepare their food for the meals. And they usually get one meal a day. It's a big, big old pot. They fix, they cook on open, on open fire. It's kind of a call, a toll. It's kind of a uh, cereal kind of thing. It tastes, I've tasted it. So we went up there. So we, we, people from Guatemala, and we built, we took that down, and we built this new kitchen. And that's a Chapina stove on the far side over there. A mill car has developed that. And they can actually do tortillas and, and boil water on the same piece. And also cuts wood consumption by 70% and cuts smoke in the huts by 99%. We put a lot of these stoves in villages and homes in Guatemala. But that's how it's, we don't do anything for them, we do it with them. When we got there, that, that building was down. They had a concrete slab and material. We had to walk across half a mile across the cornfield to get there. But the material was there, so that's what we did. The next, the next slide is just happened a few, a couple months ago. This is Fight Ministries in the Dominican. A mission team of eight guys fell through. A friend of a friend of a friend, you know how that happens on Facebook, uh, needed a framing crew to go down there pretty quickly. So four of us from Mercer County, Chad Mays headed the thing up. Eddie Mays' dad was 70. I'm 64. And then Shelby showed up and we had a little guy, Luke. So within five or six days, we had framed those put the roofs on and framed them and had them, had them ready to go. This is Fight Ministries in the Dominican. And what they do is they're doing a, a ministry down there, Luke, 30-year-old couple, and they're going to bring young girls and ladies and women off the sex trafficking trade in the Dominican. It's a billion-dollar industry down there. And so these are the two dormitories. The one building has, the bigger building has six dorm rooms. The small one has four. And so they're going to have counselors, social workers. And when they bring these young girls off the trade, the drug lords are going to be looking for them. The pimps are going to be looking for them. And they're going to try to train them and get them where they get educated so they can get out and get a job. That's the rapid trail. Okay. But Jesus saw these situations as a chance to glorify God, we talked about. Jesus asked us to go out and do what's most familiar and uncomfortable for us to be with those who are marginalized. I'm going to give you one more quick example that happened a mile and a half down the road to me about two and a half years ago. It's hot. I got a big old F-250, 
air conditioner doesn't hardly work. It must have been like it was yesterday. Turn on I-64, I'm going through there and I see this car with a blown tire, two young children, Hispanic children, and God says, hey, stop. And I went on. And the guy says, you need to stop. And finally I get this feeling, so he jerked the wheel over, so I pulled over on I-64. Have you ever tried to back up I-64 a quarter of a mile at five o'clock in the afternoon? Well, I got there, and sure enough, there was two young Hispanic boys and their mother and probably a 16-month-old baby, and it was so hot. And I said, Lord, if I'd just gone on, I'd get emotional. But I couldn't, we couldn't do anything. She had somebody come in, short story. We went on up to the next exit, went over to, I think it was a Shell Mart then. We took him inside, because she had somebody coming. And I said, she said, we'll call them. Now the, the, the mother couldn't speak English, so the children were hand translating. Went in, got them what they needed. I told the manager, I said, whatever they need, let me know, I'll come back by here tomorrow. They're gonna be picked up. If not, let me, you know, come somebody call me. But what would have happened if I hadn't stopped? That was that person, and I saw God. He goes, remember, I, I did send somebody, and you didn't, you didn't listen. And that, always, that can always happen. Where is it about having your antennas up? So where's, where is your Samaria? Is it the detention, detention facility that makes you feel uncomfortable, a recovery center, a homeless shelter, a food pantry, or a mission clinic here in Franklin County? And finally, the ends of the earth. Jesus asked us, to go and share the gospel to the ends of the earth. But this is a journey. It begins with each of us starting in Jerusalem, our homes, going out to Judea, our neighborhoods. We might go to Samaria, the uncomfortable places, and maybe God will send us further. You don't always, no, not everybody has to go, but maybe God will send us a little bit further. Because if you look at Matthew 25, it says, you have done well, you are a good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in over a few things, I will put you, I will put many things in your care, come and share my joy. So God will invite us through, and I will tell you personally, do not try to get out in front of God. It's not very pleasant. Then Jesus, like Jesus, we can say, I've come to, to seek and to save that which is lost, and our message will be the gospel of the good news. Will it be Mexico, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic? Again, not everybody is called to go to these places, physically or fiscally. But God has a special place for you, and he has a special place for me. That could be in the home, that could be in the church. God will tell you. And, and you should hear this call. If you are called, in Hebrews 13, 21, God will equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ to whom glory be forever and ever. Mother Teresa says it this way, the will of God will never take you where the grace of God will not protect you. No one wants to be excluded, no matter how lost they seem, no matter how deep in sin has entered into their lives, no matter where they come from. So, let's end where we started. We promoted this Christian life, just come to Christ, accept Jesus Christ, He's going to give, he'll give you peace, he'll give you happiness, he'll help you overcome your problems, he'll give you happy marriage and family, he'll give you an abundant life sitting out by the pool. Then you do that. Well, here's what happens. Then the bullets start flying, the ricochet, the bombs start dropping, the shrapnel goes off. 
It's flying everywhere. We find out people and children are suffering, getting hurt and dying. And you go, but wait, I didn't sign up for this. But the Bible is clear that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of his dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Again, it's where God wants us to be, or for you to be, or to me to be, and we're not going to be in the same place. So I'm going to close with this. We have a mission given to us by the Commander-in-Chief to take the message of his salvation and lordship into the enemy territory. Your mission, should you accept it, Jim, is to be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Amen. If you're here with us today and you would like to make Highland your church family, or if you would like to transfer your membership from another congregation, please do so as we stand and sing our hymn of invitation, number 556, Trust and Obey.